Crimson Tide of Alabama now. Can Missouri make the New Year's Six? Peter Burns mixes a cocktail, and we'll talk bye week hype. It is the burnout with Peter Burns. He is Peter Burns from the SEC Network and ESPN. I'm Ryan Brown. The show comes about mybookie.ag. Code next round. When you sign on to mybookie.ag, get that sign-on bonus of 110% mybookie.ag. What's up, Burnsy? How are you today? I'm doing well, man. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because I kind of thought, you know, week to week we get these, like, you know, um, you go in and have this autopsy on the week of what went right. down and what we know and what we didn't know, what we were surpri- surprised with. And it kind of felt like it was like Alabama kind of run away and hiding the same thing with Georgia. And I think this week kind of actually brought up more questions than, than necessarily answers in, in a couple of different ways. So let's go back to Alabama and Tennessee. You're watching this game and uh, Tennessee scores on the first possession. You're like, okay. Okay. And drives again. You're like, okay. They had to settle for a field goal win for Alabama. Tennessee drives again. And you're like, okay. They settle for a field goal. You're like, maybe that's a win for Alabama. But boy, if they keep driving, they're eventually going to hit the end zone. And then Alabama's defense really clamped down, especially in the second half. Uh, Let's turn on that side of the ball with Alabama's defense. What Kevin Steele has done uh, with this Alabama defense, pretty remarkable. They have not had many off quarters, off halves, or off days. Yeah, I mean, you know, going back to, you know, who, you know who's calling the offense and or who's calling yeah. the defense. Yeah. Kind of a fun storyline for about eight minutes there. But, yeah, I mean, they, they have done a good job. I don't think that this is the most talented Alabama roster that we've seen in, in years past. However, they're doing enough. And I, I'm glad you brought up the, the scores right early in that game. That's the most important thing. And we talked about it on our show this morning, is the fact of red zone defense, right? Like yeah. you score a touchdown, Squirrel White catches that pass, it's indefensible, right? That's yep. just a great uh, catch. It's a great pass. All of it, you just, you know, say, tip your hat to them. But in the other times that they hold them to a field goal, that's monstrous because you killed the momentum and all of a sudden your team's like, okay, all right, fans are into it. You're like, just breathe a little bit. We're okay. And this happens, right? When you get, when you face Alabama, you're going to get the Super Bowl of your schedule, right? That's right. Yep. Yep. You want to go out afterwards. And we saw it with Ole Miss last year where they should have been up early and they kicked field goals. We saw it with AM this year where they probably should have been up two, three scores early, but kicked field goals late. And we saw it in this game. It's like survive, advance, get on the ropes, protect yourself, and don't get knocked out. And that's what happened. I, I mean, it's not a rope-a-dope strategy, Brownie, but it is simply like let's get by the first 15 minutes of the game and then now let's play ball. Yeah, well, and we'll get back to Alabama in one second. I would just say if you're on the Tennessee side of this, you just know, and, and I don't think Hypel made the wrong call going for the field goals, maybe the play call – uh, the play calls were a little too conservative in the red zone. You can argue that if you want. But you just know, if I'm going on the road in the conference, settling for red zone field goals against quality opponents is going to get me beat. Yeah, and that's part of the mentality of of playing Alabama and what they built and what the fan base. I thought the fan base was great over on Saturday. Like, I never think of Brian Denny being, like, the greatest home field advantage. Yeah. But I thought it was an absolute difference maker in that game. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's what it is. It's like, I know from a fan's perspective, because I've been been there on the LSU side of it, is that like anytime you felt like you got into scoring position for uh, against Alabama, you're like, dude, you need to put seven. Because if you don't put seven up, they're yeah. going to come back and they're going to wax your ass. And sure enough, that's what happened. And I thought the most important part of that was after the game, Nick Saban 
is talking to the media about what his message was at halftime. It wasn't any kind of adjustments. It's just Nick Saban going, you got to make a choice. All right. You know, are you going to do your job? What choices do you want to make? And I'm like, oh, man, that's more scary than a pissed off Saban. Yeah. Like, you don't want to disappoint Nick Saban. And in essence, him saying you have a choice. I, I mean, that that fired me up and I'm not even an Alabama fan. So let's talk about We talked about the defense. Let's talk about the offense. Uh, in the second half, Alabama's offense came to life. And I, it's remarkable how often this happens. Alabama will get mired in the mud offensively. They just can't move. They can't score. They might even turn it over. And then out of the blue, busted coverage guy out to practice early. And Milroe does not miss those passes very often. He is a good deep ball passer. And that's exactly what happened. And it didn't give Alabama the lead. But it completely flipped that game. From that point on, Alabama's playing downhill and Mississippi's put, or excuse me, uh, Tennessee's pushing the ball uphill. Yeah, and you're just waiting for that moment to happen. I mean, listen, yep. Joe Milton had a, a great first half. You couldn't have draw, drawn up the plays much better. And I think that's one of the things that Hypo is really good at. He gets off to a quick start. I mean, his script, whatever it is, I mean, like, he should put on clinics and sell it on pay-per-view, uh, you know, or, or or consulting to every other single team in college football about how do you script the first, you know, 20, 30 plays of offense because they're always on fire. It's the question is what happens when you're going to get into the trench warfare? And, you know, that doesn't happen unless Jalen Milrow doesn't get up from a couple of hits. You know, I mean, like, here's the Jalen Milrow experience now. He's going to get sacked. Right. He's going to turn the ball over at least once, and he's going to make three or four plays. You're like, how in the hell did that happen? That's that's what it is. Is his normal mo now, and it's a championship winning mo right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And he has really cut back on the turnovers, and uh, primarily, you know, the one the one interception he threw against Tennessee. It's a it's a ball where weirdly Burton's arm got caught. Yeah. And it bounces off a defender's uh, shoulder pads and goes to another defender. I didn't think it was a bad pass at all. I mean, you got a defender with his back to you. You're throwing a jump ball to probably your best receiver in the corner of the end zone. That's that's a good throw to me. Yeah. And, and just the fact, again, though, that, that game looked like, uh-oh, like, okay, strange things have to happen, right? We remember, yeah. like, Ole Miss games where monster crazy things happen. Same thing with Manziel. And that was that play that you kind of circle, like, there's the one. There's yeah. the one that they're going to show in SportsCenter. They're going to show on SEC Network about, like, the game change on that one play. But Alabama is battle-tested. I mean, now, what, eight games that they've played, Brownie, and they've been behind in six of them? Like, buddy, we went, like, a decade without Bama being back, you know, behind, <laughs> like, six points. That's out of control to me. It is wild. I made the argument today that if you gave me that Alabama team for 60 minutes, so give me the second half against Tennessee, the second half against Ole Miss, that team that comes out in the second half and they're just a different team, give me that for 60 minutes. Who beats this Alabama team in the country? I think they're the best team in the country. Are they flawless? Not at all. But I think they're the best team in the country. If you give me that for 60 minutes, that's what I'm saying. Now, give me that one half for 60 minutes of football. Sure, and and I would I could counter argue and say you give me sixty minutes of the best that mm -hmm. LSU has, and I yep. think LSU is a better team than Alabama. The problem is, is I trust Alabama to be more consistent that they don't have those lapses a lot more than I think of LSU's lapses, especially on, over on defense. But I, I just I don't know, man. There's just something about the giddiness of Saban uh, after the game, and I understand that's a rivalry game, and he respects it. Um, but just to see him, like he knew the cigar was going to be there, and just to kind of have this like 
you know, teenage joy and chomping on the on the cigar. I, I thought that was a cool moment for for, for Saban and, and, and even Milrow thought it was kind of funny as well. Bernsey mentioned Alabama LSU. We'll get to that at the end of the show. It is a bye week for both of them. We'll do a little bye week hype with Bama and LSU. It is the burnout. He is ESPN and the SEC Network's Peter Burns. I'm Ryan Brown. The show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on to MyBookie.ag. You get that sign-on bonus of 110%. That is free money. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag. Also, Manscaped right now bringing you the show. You're freshly uh, shaving there, Bernsey. Oh, oh my gosh. I was not expecting that. You Manscaped the chest. Yeah. What was the what, what was the occasion? Um, I don't know, just because I always feel a lot better, especially when you go to the gym. It almost seems like you have muscles when you use the Manscaped stuff. So I'm like, I'm all in on the on the Manscaped. Uh, I'm Team Manscaped product. <laughs> it makes Peter Burns look like he has muscles. Right. Uh, yeah, Manscaped.com. Code Burns. If you want to look muscular like Peter Burns, Code Burns is the best in men's grooming. I use that beard hedger every day, the lawnmower for the uh, – the uh, unmentionables, the down low areas, the handyman, which is the compact face shaver that they've got. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll take your word for that one. Um, and there is an easy joke right there that I'm not going to use. And also the weed whacker for uh, the ear hair and the nose hair. Uh, so you don't look like the old man. Code Burns at checkout to save 20% on your first order at manscaped.com. Code Burns, manscaped.com. All right, we don't talk a whole lot of Missouri football, so let's do it right now. They beat South Carolina rather soundly. I thought this was a tough spot for Mizzou. They beat South Carolina. They get Georgia next. Their schedule is not easy down the stretch, but believe it or not, Eli Drinkwitz has his team in position, Burns, where they could be in a New Year's Six Bowl this year, which is pretty incredible to me. I did not see this coming out of Missouri. They could be in Atlanta. We're this deep into the season. I mean, now there's a little part of this that kind of feels how, you know, some of these Kentucky teams that came in either undefeated or one loss are really good. You're like, oh, I don't know about Kentucky. Can Kentucky be this team? And so every single time that's happened, Georgia was like just swatting them away. Like, get out of here. You're not you're not ready for prime time yet. Um, this Missouri team is really fun to watch. Right. I mean, I, I I know there's a lot of people that still don't feel like for whatever reason, Missouri is the truest of SEC schools, you know, it's a little bit of a different place. It's in Missouri off the beaten path, but they're playing really good football. Brady Cook's solid. Um, They're playing complimentary ball right now. The defense is good. Cody Schrader, the two touchdowns, 157 yards. I mean, this guy was basically a a kind of a walk-on type guy, and he's become a difference maker. But the most important part of it, Brownie, was drink. And I say this because I had him on my show this morning. And he made a big um, a scene at, at SEC Media Days this year when he says, I, I can't call the plays anymore. I'm giving that up. It pains me to give that up, but I'm going to give it up. Basically, the, right out on the heels yeah. of Jimbo Fisher um, saying that he wasn't really giving it up. That's a different story. And I asked him today, how's that process been? He goes, dude, it has helped all the world. Because now he says, I wouldn't have faked that punt against Kentucky, which changed the entire dynamic of the game, had I been calling the plays. Because I just wouldn't have seen the game that way. And he goes, it helps me with my on-game, in-game prep. It helps me recruit. It helps my life. I mean, all of it. And I I think it's interesting that there's never been a head coach who calls his own offense that has won a national championship since we went to the expanded playoff in 2014. I think that's, that's awfully telling, especially in this world of NIL and transfer portal and the CEOization of, of college coaches. 
Yeah, I've never been a big fan of coaches on the college level. NFL's a little bit different, but on the college level, coaches calling their own plays. There's just so much that goes into being a college head coach. And when you're focusing, like I, I can remember back when Mike Gundy was calling his own plays famously, when his defense was on the field, would go sit with his back to the field talking to his offensive players. And I'm like, half the game's going on with your back to the field. How are you a head football coach in that situation? Well, that's it, what worked. it worked. They had good records, but I just I don't feel like you're a head coach in that situation. I think Billy Napier is going to look at that as well, too. Um, I think in a weird way, it, had they not gotten injured, I think it might have helped Jimbo Fisher. I mean, yeah. the offense looks better with Bobby Petrino, and you can focus on different things. Like, just the role of a head coach any longer – is is a CEO as opposed to a play caller. I remember talking to Brent Venables when he was a defensive coordinator under Dabo at Clemson. I said, well, why haven't you taken a head coaching job? He goes, bro, when you become a head coach, you don't coach anymore. Like you, you lead. And he goes, I like the X's and O's. Now, of course, he's over at Oklahoma doing a hell of a job because the paycheck's really good. But, um, you know, these coaches, it's it's really hard to juggle both of them. And I'm so I think that's a big difference maker for for drink. I mean, they could be eight no right now, Brownie. I mean, they're seven and one, but they could be eight no because they could have beaten LSU easily. So let's do the rest of their schedule here. I'm just making a case for them going to a New Year's Six Bowl. I think a 10 and 2 team could potentially get a New Year's Six Bowl, which would be a massive step forward for Eli Drinkwitz. They're at Georgia. Now, if you win that game, now all of a sudden, to your point, you start talking about Atlanta. Uh, I've that's it's a it's a bridge too far for me to say they're going to go to Athens to beat Georgia. That said, they were Georgia's toughest game last year in Columbia. Touch in Georgia after the cocktail party, which is always an emotional game, and that you know that's going to be a physical game uh, as well. So, and Missouri's coming off of a bye, but yes, I would say you know Georgia wins that ball game. Okay, so now you're a two loss team. Now you're seven and two, uh, but here's what you got left. Tennessee at home. That is a very, very winnable game for him. They may even be favored. I, I would imagine they're probably favored over Tennessee, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that they win that game. Florida at home. Uh, I do think Florida is playing improved football. They're about to play the cocktail party. We'll talk about that next. But yeah. Florida at home, very winnable game for Missouri. I, I would agree. And then you're at Arkansas, and things are not going well. The, you know, Sam Pittman just had to fire his offensive coordinator, Dan so, Enos. Uh, you're, in spite of a really cool shirt you're wearing, Things are not going well for Arkansas. They might be the favorite in that game. So if you if you just potentially win the games your favorite moving forward, you're a 10 and 2 team and you could be in a New Year's Six Bowl, which is far. I mean, this is a guy that some people had on the hot seat coming into the season. Yeah. Uh, never, it'd be an incredible year. Yeah, I never believed the hot seat talk, you know, because he had just gotten an extension. And I'm right. like, you know, I, I just don't the, the they're not gonna do that um unless, you know, the, you know, for whatever reason. But um the thing is, is you would get into at least, I think if you don't get at least nine wins, you've really kind of kind of squandered a great yeah. opportunity at this point, like on the flip side of it. So I expect them to win 10 games now. You All of a sudden you win a bowl game, that's 11, ga 11 wins going into a massive recruiting season, which he's done extremely well. And the fact that you're going to a 12-team playoff. Like Missouri would be one of those teams yep. where I don't know if we feel like it's a 14 playoff squad right now. But I sure as hell would say, man, they're right in the thick of things if this was a, an expanded 12-team playoff field. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of wild. I think a 10-2 and two SEC team uh, would, be a, would be a playoff team. I think in the future, uh, that would be good enough to get in the playoffs, yeah. Teams that will be a, a college football playoff contending teams and down, down the road. Say that again. I, I, I missed the first part of what you asked. I still think there will be teams that are nine and three in the SEC yeah. when we expand the field that will get a, a, a serious look. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I'll give you one this year. Like if LSU were to lose to Alabama and then win the rest of their games, be outside chance, but there'd be a chance a three-loss LSU team could be up there where their losses being, what, Florida State, Alabama, and uh, why am I blinking on the other loss? Um, Ole Miss. Ole Miss, that's right. Yeah, Ole Miss. I mean, they'd, now, they'd be a dangerous team right now. Yeah. Now your problem would be Ole Miss would probably be in front of them at that. But but I could see a scenario. Yeah, I could definitely see a scenario. Yeah. Um, uh, wild, wild time. Keep remembering that we're going to add Texas and Oklahoma, which yeah. are two good teams as well, too, coming into the mix. So uh, I think we're a couple of weeks away from that schedule being released. Yeah, I keep hearing that. Uh, so hopefully it will be sometime soon. Uh, there are a lot of people that are like, okay, I, it's, I'm cool with the games. I know who we're playing. I need to start setting dates and getting hotel rooms. and Patience. Patience. In, yeah, patience, my friends. Patience. All right, it is The Burnout with Peter Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network. It is presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. Get that sign-on bonus of 110%. That is absolutely free money. You play right away, win one time. It is yours and yours forever. Not one of those you got to win five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. All you got to do is win one time with it. It is yours forever. MyBookie.ag. Code next round for that 110% sign-on bonus. Code next round at MyBookie.ag. Bernie and I both enjoy the Roback. Roback.com. Great apparel. They've got the softest hoodies in the world. The great quarter zips that I love wearing this time of year. The golf shirts. We've got new pants from Roback. They are phenomenal. Roback.com. Roback.com. Uh, code TNR20 at checkout. Save 20%. TNR20 saves you 20% on your initial order at Roback.com. All right, let's talk about the cocktail party. Coming up this weekend, Florida and Georgia, an improved Florida team playing a Georgia team, Bernsey, that will play their first full game now coming off a bye without Brock Bowers. And this 2.30 CBS game, it's a rivalry game. Yeah, yeah, I find it a little more. You know, the point spread still double digits. Uh, Georgia somewhere around two touchdown favorite in this. Yeah, but the way Florida played going into the bye week, that comeback against South Carolina, and the fact that Georgia now is going to play a full game without Brock Bowers makes this one a little more interesting to me. Yeah, I don't think there's a doubt in that. I mean, Graham Mertz is. I mean, I think that when we started looking at the rankings, you probably would have had Graham Mertz before the season at like tenth. You know, and maybe that would have been kind just because a lot of people didn't, you know, respect where he was coming from and didn't think that he was going to fit into this offense. Um, and they've had their issues, of course, when they just kind of slept walk, um, you know, uh, you know, earlier this year. But, you know, to me, this is a rivalry game. However, when was the last time we saw a monster upset in this? Nope. I nope. Don't recall. Like I've seen that in the Iron Bowl. I've seen that in the Egg Bowl. I've seen that even, you know, LSU and Alabama to a certain extent. But I can't recall the last time that, hey, whoever was at least a 10 point favorite came in and won that game. And I want to flip it to the Georgia side aspect of it is I think the I mean, there's you know, ever want Brock Bowers to go down, obviously. Right. But if there was ever a time in some type of silver lining of saying Brock's had was going to suffer an injury, when is it going to happen? You probably say it's the game right before your bye week. You get an opportunity to get Delp in, figure out how what you're going to run them these two tight end sets to get McConkie more involved and whatnot. So I think they're actually a little bit healthier. I just have a hard time picking against Georgia. I I, I mean shocker, way to go out on a limb and say something crazy on here, but. Um, I think Florida is a good team. There's going to be a product of a really tough schedule going forward. You know, and I know we just talked about this game. I believe, uh, so Georgia's next five games, uh, they've got Florida, they've got Missouri, they're at Tennessee. Ole they Miss. Play, 
they play Ole Miss and then Georgia Tech. They, I think, drop one of those games. I cannot tell you where, but yeah. I think they'll drop one of those games. Uh, to me, I keep saying that about Alabama, that they're going to lose a game. I but, I mean, the, everything I look at Georgia, I look through the prism of what Alabama was when they were severely dominant. It was a right. fact, well, I mean, Alabama should lose some of these games. Well, they don't because of the job that Nick did. And so – Kirby has learned from that. And there's nothing to me that says Carson Beck can't play football and can't be QB1. I mean, like, I thought he's been fantastic so far. So I, I the Brock Bowers injury hurts. I hope that he comes back and plays. Um, but to me, I don't see them losing that much. I mean, there was a game earlier this year, Brownie, where early in the season, I think they had 16 wide receivers catch a ball. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I didn't think they had 16 wide receivers on a damn lineup. Like they they've got some depth there. They do. I I would submit to you they lose the Auburn game without Brock Bowers. Um, or yeah. at least at least it goes overtime. So I and I'm not in. It's really less about Brock <laughs> Bowers being out, but it's emblematic Brock Bowers being out of what the reason I think they lose. Just because I think it's impossible. There's a reason people don't go three consecutive years without an SEC loss. It is so incredibly difficult to do. And part of that reason is injuries. It is hard to keep your in a in a in in the grinder that the SEC conference is, the meat grinder it is, it's hard to keep your key players on the field, you know, eight regular season games a year. That's just really, really difficult to do. So yeah. I mean, I know you're like, hey, I'm out on a limb saying I, I don't see anybody be you know, I, I see Georgia winning this game. I'm not necessarily out on a huge limb just because I'm playing history. History tells you this just does not happen. Yeah. The question is, do you think I mean, if you had to rank them right now, the Georgia teams, you probably put 2022 as number one, 2021 as the number two yeah. team, and then this year yeah. as the third best team. I would. Uh, I think that's I think that's fair um, right now. So, and again, I, we look at this saying, "Oh, it's the you know two time defending champions." It's a it's a basically a brand new roster with how much turnover that they have. And when they, they get in a couple of transfers like Ra Ra and Dominic Lovett as well, too. So um, I, I get, I still can't find myself to pick against them. I think they actually run the table to Atlanta. All right. So it is the cocktail party. What is the cocktail of choice for Peter Burns? You know, I go, I don't know why I'm on a, like whenever I lived in Denver, I was a big Moscow mule guy. Okay. And so I'm in for the Moscow Mule. Um, I've done the uh, the Redmond Vodka. That's pretty solid over there, the Barclays yep. deal. So that's pretty good. I actually like – I'm trying to get in, in healthier shape, so I'm not drinking as many sugary drinks. But give me something with rum that makes me feel like I'm in the Caribbean. Like I don't yeah. care what time of year it is. Like you give me a good rum drink that has some kind of tropical fruity on it, I'm, I'm all in. And, and an yep. umbrella, bonus points. Yeah, my wife loves those too. Um, I am a big she does. I'm not I mean, just being honest with you. She does. Life has uh, great brownie. <laughs> I like I like um I like a ranch water, um, tequila topo chico and lime. Yeah. Uh either that or an old fashioned. And you can find those places randomly. There was one in Nashville. I've been to one in Nashville, one to Atlanta that will bring uh, the plank of wood, like I think it's uh, you know, cedar or something like that. I don't know what wood it is, and they light it on fire and then put the glass over it. And then, then once it smokes up the glass, they mix the old fashioned yeah, that yeah. glass. That that fancy shit that they, they do to charge you like $19 for a cocktail. <laughs> I'm like, if they're gonna bring out the table, if there's any props in my drink, I'm just like, bro, just we're good, just bring the glass, pour the liquor. 
I don't need any kind of uh, theatrics or shows or anything like that. But, uh, but I'm telling you, man, they can hand you that glass and all you got to do is a, and just take a good draw and you can hand it back to them. It's worth every dime of it. That smell is just amazing, man. It's like... Uh, more money than I do. I ain't paying $19 for, for somebody to, to to burn my glass. Like, I'm out. All, it's, all, it's all the company Amex. I'll let the company pay for that. Uh, then maybe I'm in. Okay. <laughs> I, when, when, uh, when, I remember drinking an Amaretta Sour back in the day. You ever had Amaretta Sour? Think about the bad decision. I mean, that's why everybody, like younger people, can't handle tequila and have such a bad relationship with them. Because, you know, we were drinking tequila that was like kind of cool out of a plastic bottle, like like room temperature tequila, like in college. Like that oh. is horrible. But like if you get like really high end tequila, like it's super, super smooth. So um, like I said, I, that's one of the drinks I still kind of steer away from. But I'll do the um, I'll do the fireball shots. I'm still Team Jaeger. I'll do Jaeger uh, Jaeger bombs and stuff like that. I'm in for that. Yeah, there'll be a lot of that down at Jacksonville cocktail party. Any player I've ever talked to that plays in this game, this is a weird thing that connects the Florida and Georgia players. And I bet your boy Doring would say the same thing. Is one of the coolest things to them is when they top that bridge mm-hmm. and and they come over the bridge and they say all you can see as far as the eye can see are tailgaters. Yeah. And you see the red Georgia and the orange and blue, the red and black Georgia, the orange and blue Florida. And it's just the coolest thing when you come over that bridge pregame and you're driving into the stadium. And as far as the eye can see, you see the tailgaters. I've never I've been to that stadium. That view doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, It wasn't for a cocktail party, but that view doesn't resonate with me. But I tell you what, I've talked to so many players in that game and they all mention that same thing, man. When that bus tops that bridge and you start down the downhill part of the bridge into the stadium area. And you see all those tailgaters. It's like, okay, this is real. It's it's almost game time. Yeah, and it's and and I've had an opportunity to do it once. Me and McElroy went for the SEC Network, and we did kind of like a side set over there in Jacksonville, and and it's it's cool. I mean, it reminds me of, and I spent a lot of years covering Texas and OU, right? Where yeah. like fifty percent of the of the the stadium. In fact, those one it's one of the very few games to where you don't even have to watch the game to know exactly what's happened. As long as you know where the Florida fans are sitting and the Georgia fans are sitting, you could just sit there, close your eyes, and let your 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 eardrums tell you who's winning the game. Um, and it's it's fun, man. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And it's an opportunity game. Like every single game right now for Billy Napier is the opportunity to to, you know, build something, right? Like Tennessee had that win against Alabama last year. LSU had that win against, you know, Alabama last year. Um, Missouri almost got that win against Georgia. Like you knock them down and all of a sudden that that really good recruiting that's rocking right now in Gainesville gets a whole hell of a lot better. Do you you like it in Jacksonville? You want to get it switched? I am an on-campus guy. Um, I am willing to make it the exception for a couple of games. I do think the Red River shootout should stay in Dallas. I like that. Okay. Um, I remember when this one was on campus, those random two years when they were rebuilding the Gator Bowl, and those were dominant Florida teams, so they weren't good games. Yeah. Um, I this one just it doesn't bother me. This game, I'm just gonna be honest with you, and this probably sounds like snobby state of Alabama college football fan that you know feeds on the Iron Bowl and stuff like that. This rivalry does not resonate with me as much as other rivalries do in the Southeastern Conference. It's just never because I, I because we I don't think we get crazy games in it. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why, like, I mean, we got people, you know, hiking their legs and pretending to be a dog that all of a sudden, you know, that pees in the egg bowl and all of a sudden, forty five coaches change jobs because of of one penalty, yep. right? Like. The Iron Bowl kick six and some of those great finishes. I mean, even LSU, Alabama. I mean, yeah. 
I don't know if you can say right now, is it a top three rivalry? No. In theory, it is. I don't I don't believe that to be the case until something like a, a chaotic, you know, Florida has no business beating Georgia and knocking them off after they're going for three straight titles. Something would have to have that to happen to kind of escalate a little bit. As uh, as it pertains to the crowd, I'll never forget the first time I ever went to a race at the Talladega Super Speedway. And I, I recommend anybody that just enjoys a good time do this. You don't even have to be a NASCAR fan. The people watching is incredible. The sound and the energy of a race at the Talladega Super Speedway is unreal. I'm not even a NASCAR fan. I love going to the spring race, okay? First time I ever did it, I'm in the infield. And uh, quickly learned, and this will show you how long ago this is, quickly learned two things. If it if the entire it sounds like the entire crowd is cheering, Dale Earnhardt did something good. <laughs> if half the crowd is cheering and half the crowd is booing, Jeff Gordon did something good. And I probably it was undefeated, Birdsy. You could listen and like when the whole place went nuts, Dale Earnhardt made a pass. Half the crowd cheers, half the crowd boos, Jeff Gordon made a pass, and it was undefeated. I mean, that's kind of what you want, whether it's racing or sports or even sports media, like either be loved or be hated, but don't, you know, I want to want people to ever be like, yeah, he's fine. Like he's yeah. different. Like, if you watch the burnout and you're like, I'm just here for Brownie and the topics, not burns. Like I want you to hate my guts or love me. Like do not be anywhere in between. I'm all for it. For the record. I love Peter Burns. No, I love it, it is the burnout with Peter Burns of the SEC network at ESP. It's show presented by MyBookie.ag. code next round, MyBookie.ag. code next round. They are showing their love for you. With 110% sign-on bonus, 110%. That is absolutely free money when you sign on right there in mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Mybookie.ag. Code next round. Mybookie.ag. Code next round. And uh, don't forget, if you're looking for plays to use there, at mybookie.ag. Lance Taylor coming off another winning football weekend, including three and zero on his Sunday NFL games. Three and zero in the NFL. You can win with Lance's plays at lanceslock.com. That is lanceslock.com. Single-day packages, weekly, monthly, full-season packages, uh, starting less than $100 for an entire month right there at lanceslock.com, lanceslock.com. All right, let's wrap with a, just a touch of bi-week taste of Alabama LSU. This is, a, uh, this is a game that has become a rivalry over the last 15 years. It was always a fun game between the two, but Nick Saban's arrival at Tuscaloosa amped this game up more than any game in the Southeastern Conference has been amped up by Nick Saban's arrival. Um, the Iron Bowl's always been great, but when you're playing for the West almost every year, there's a reason Alabama LSU feels this way. Yeah, I mean, again, and I have lived it. Um, I mean, you know, when I was living in Denver, one of the trips that I made was I had to go to 2011, game of the century, 9-6. I smoked a cigar on the top of Bryant-Denny Stadium with my dad, one of my favorite moments of all time, because it was just – it was such a big game. Now they whooped our ass uh, or LSU's ass in, in, in the national <laughs> championship game. Um, but there's just been something about that. And it was always kind of that measuring stick for LSU. Like, hey, make sure that you're competitive in that game. Make sure that you can win one every once in a while. And we've seen that. And we saw it last year. Listen, I'll take hell for it, but I'm not going to back down from it. I'll, I, I'm picking LSU to beat – Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Not the first time I've been an idiot, but this is the first time in a while that I believe that if you try to get into a track meet with LSU, you need to be built for it like Ole Miss. I don't believe that Alabama is built for that track meet. Now, I think the Alabama defense has gotten a whole hell of a lot better, but I think Jalen Milrow is going to make some mistakes if all of a sudden you expect him to throw it 30 some odd times. And I think LSU actually can stop the run. They're getting a little bit better at that over the last couple of weeks. So 
Again, I like LSU in that. I actually don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you have a two-loss LSU SEC championship. I, 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 oh, no, yeah. And if that's the case, holy hell, what a pickle that would be for the conference. If all of a sudden, you know, Georgia is 11, you know, 12 and one, but they're not the conference champion, because I think the Pac-12 is going to have at least one undefeated team or at least a, a team in contention. The Big 12 might. Uh, and if they don't, that means Texas got the better of them. So you have two one loss teams there. I think FSU continues to play well. So um, it, buckle up. It's about to get weird here in this conference. Uh, I, I'm going to – we'll do a little homework. Let's rank uh, – since Nick Saban arrived, since 07, let's rank uh, the top five Alabama LSU games next week. You want to do that? I, I'm all in. Yeah. So that will right. be homework. Um, my last thing, though, I want to make sure I want to I want to address this because I did it on my show. And okay. it is about Lane Kiffin. Kiffin had that big win um, just now, you know, in, at Auburn. And I don't know if there's been anybody, at least on our network, that has probably been more critical of Lane Kiffin um, over the last couple of years than myself. You know, I think more a lot of that was because I thought he was kind of petulant the way he left Alabama during the run when he got the FAU job. But I've always kind of said, man, he bumps his gums a lot for, for not winning the big game. I think he really wanted to win that Auburn game, Brownie. I think that meant a lot to him because I think he wanted that job, but Auburn did not necessarily want him, no matter how they play it in the media. But he handled that week leading into Auburn and against Hugh Freeze differently than he did in that game against Alabama and Nick Saban. He didn't troll a lot of people. He didn't kind of mix the waters and try to have all this, oh, he's the greatest coach of all time and all oh, the Auburn fan, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't trying to make bulletin board material. He went out there and coached his team. And they look ready in a hostile environment. So I think Lane Kiffin grew up a whole hell of a lot in that game and i'm kind of curious to see if he can kind of finish the deal right now in oxford yeah it will uh it will be fast i mean they've still got georgia left on that schedule and they are a team that is still sitting out there being the biggest lsu fans in the world next week assuming they take care of their business against vanderbilt they would be the biggest lsu fans in the world now they still got to beat georgia to make any of that matter but if they can get lsu to beat alabama all of a sudden there is a path for them Am I crazy to think that LSU beats Alabama? I mean, no, I, not at all. Not I, at all. Hey, like, what do you think? And I don't know if my bookie has the like future headline lines because there's uh, so I can look. don't do a lot of that stuff because of injuries and stuff. Yeah. But a lot of times there's a, like the look ahead games. Like, I would imagine right now Alabama being at home, I think Alabama will probably be a six and a half point favorite. We'll I was going to say seven. Yeah, I was going to say seven. I think you're about right on that. Yeah. Um, that's fair enough when you say, I, I, I think that's about right. I think you get a couple yeah. of three or four points for being at home. I think it's more like four points in the sec because of how good the crowds are, but that's going to be a night game. That place will be rocking. But, um, I think that'll be kind of a future line for, for that game. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a fair line. I could probably find it might take me a minute here. Um, it is the primetime CBS game. A weird start time, though, 645 for that one, not after seven. Not that that matters to anybody, I don't think. That's perfect time. I love that time. Like that, the 530, 6 o'clock is such a prime spot because you got all day to tailgate. Right. And, but you, you're, you're not at like the 26 mile of the marathon of drinking and tailgating and partying when kickoff <laughs> happens. And so, like, and then if you win, you have an opportunity to go out after that. Like, I'm a, like, I cannot wait till we have more 5 p.m. kickoffs. I'm all team 5 p.m. kickoffs in my life. 
Really? That's what you like? It's a five, that's your perfect kickoff. It's 5 p.m. Yeah, I think because you're not waiting around all day long. And then at the end of it, you still have some opportunity. There's nothing worse than when some of these games are like an 8 p.m. kickoff. They go three and a half hours. And then so it's 1130. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I got like an hour of traffic. Yeah. It just kind of kills the, the the vibe. Like you win a monster game and it's and you look at the clock and it's like 830. You're like, buddy, th- we're going to create some memories tonight. I'm yeah, all, time. all in for it. All right, Tyler, let me remind you of our uh, codes here on this show. MyBookie.ag, code next round to get the 110% sign-on bonus at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag, code next round. Also, don't forget Manscaped. Bernsey showed us some of the Manscaped uh, results. He did not show us some of it. Beautiful. Uh, Did not show us some of it. Code Burns for 20% off your initial order right there at Manscaped.com. Code Burns, Manscaped.com. Roback.com, code TNR20 for 20% off that. And also Lance'sLike.com. You don't need a code. Just join up, Lance'sLike.com, and get winners today. All right, fun time. We'll do our top five Bama LSU games next week on The Burnout. Peter, enjoy your week, man. Always fun. See you, buddy.